Hey there, and welcome to the Just Keep Blogging podcast. I'm Kim Anderson from KimAndersonConsulting.com, and I'm here to give you a regular dose of blogging adrenaline. So one thing not all bloggers are excellent at is visual stuff, right? Like we're not great at um, creating cover images, and we're not great at Uh, taking food photography and things like that. But you know what? Those are all skills that can be learned. And today I want to encourage you um, with my theories on blog photos, blog images, and simple things that are going to save you time, money, and improve the quality, even if you have no idea what you're doing. (laughs) So let's get started. So One of the first things that a lot of bloggers try to tackle when it comes to taking pictures on their blog might be a food. So if you're like a lifestyle or a recipe-based blogger, maybe you regularly have recipes of some kind on your blog. And um, one of the things that I think can be a struggle is just kind of having food in pictures that looks good. (laughs) Like, does the food look yummy? And that's not always easy to do. I've had um, some sponsored posts uh, with some various, you know, brands or whatever that were food related, where their product was very brown, like it was just a brown product. And when I would make the recipe, I think to myself, like, this is not good looking, right? And when it's sponsored, you really want the food photography to look good. Because I don't know about you, but you know, when I'm looking through a magazine, or I'm looking through a cookbook, I'm more likely to make the recipes that have pictures that I can see. I don't know why that is, but that's just me. So it really matters to me when I'm making a blog post and always has that the food looks semi good, right? And that wasn't a skill that came naturally to me. Like you have to think about that a little bit harder than just like making something and taking a picture of it. So over the years, I've been trying to figure out like really small ways to make food photos better. And some of the things that I do is, or that I've learned over the years is that there are really inexpensive ways to make food look a little bit better. Number one, um, I just find that food looks better on white. So I always use like a white plate. You can buy, you know, white plates from the dollar store if you don't have just plain white plates um, or in white bowls. It just makes the food color appear better. It has a cleaner feel. So I personally really like to see food on white plates. And then I feel like you can punch up the area around it with simple things like maybe you put the plate on a big wood cutting board. So it's like there's a little bit of contrast there, but it's not stealing the show from the food. It's not making the food color look off. Like you're getting the vibrance of the actual food against the white clean background. You know, and maybe you've got like a napkin under the bowl that's like a bright, fun, whatever. So there are ways that you can stage photos with practice. And you might be thinking, well, where do I get stuff like that? Well, I'm a huge fan of going to places like Target and like the dollar stop that they have. And they'll have some fun like milk jugs or fun colored straws, like anything that I can do to kind of punch up the color. I'll often find those sort of accessories in that dollar section at Target. Or, you know, if you go to the dollar store, you can probably find white plates or anything like that. Um, I found like some, you know, depending on the feel of your blog, like 
fun vintage napkins. You can get those from the thrift store or whatever. Like there's all kinds of ways that you can approach how you stage food. It doesn't have to be expensive. Honestly, in my early days, being that I'm a thrifty little mom, a lot of my blog based um, staging materials came from either the dollar stop at Target or they came from thrift stores. So I would buy white plates or white bowls or little small, you know, like finger bowls and stuff for sauces or whatever at thrift stores. Um, but I always just kind of kept an eye out for things that kind of had a strong wood background. I also figured out that I could go to the craft store and get, um, you know, all those pictures that look like there's like a, a like an awesome whitewashed wood. I would just go to like Hobby Lobby or a craft store, go into the 12 by 12 um, scrapbooking section, and they actually have all kinds of fun like papers. And so that's another option. Um I have a cold brew coffee recipe on my website and there behind it looks like it's on a like blue whitewashed wooden surface and it really pops. But all that is, is actually a piece of scrapbook paper that in the picture, you're not focused on the paper, you're focused on the coffee. So you can't tell that it's a piece of paper. Um, And those are just kind of fun ideas. And you'll also find, I also found in the early days, um, going back to the, the pop of color when everything was kind of brown, in the actual food itself, like if you're not staging the things around it, you know, getting things like chives or some sort of brightly colored season, like um, a fresh seasoning of some sort to put on top can make it look less vomitous, I guess is the right word, or like less gross. Um, if I made something that, you know, it was like a casserole kind of thing, I could take like a piece of broccoli that was steamed or something like that and kind of just press it down into uh, whatever the concoction was without it getting covered in sauce so that it still popped, so that it looked, uh, so it looked good. And these are just things, if you're taking pictures of food or something, think about those things, like think about that presentation. And it doesn't mean that you have to be an expert. It just means you think about what could make this food look more colorful or more vibrant without it being so staged, if that makes sense. Like, if the ingredient doesn't make sense as a um, addition to that dish, it might not be right, right? Like, it would be, you could screw it up by making a pot pie and adding sprinkles. I know that's a terrible, like, a terrible analogy, but that's just what I'm saying. Like, just make sure that, you know, the garnish kind of fits the dish um, so that it looks good and it adds a little bit of um, color to it. Now, one of these things that I figured out early on was I kept trying to take these pictures in my kitchen. It had terrible lighting in my kitchen. And if you're using a cell phone because you haven't gotten a DSLR or anything yet and you're still kind of in that stage, it's perfectly fine. I still recommend whether you have a DSLR or you have a phone and you're doing kind of like minimum viable product. Like I just need to take these pictures. I need them to look good on the blog. Editing does so much for photos. You can take, this is what I used to do. I, when I, and I still do this, when I make recipes on my blog, I have a pretty big cutting board and I have a white plate. Um, and I put the food in the white plate or the white bowl or however it's set up and I take it outside into non-direct light. So for me, I used to have at my old house, I had a covered back porch and I had a covered front porch. And as long as the light wasn't like, you know, directly hitting the porch, um, if it was just kind of diffused light, uh, kind of shaded, I could take 
really excellent food photography pictures. A lot of people will say, you know, when you're taking food photos, take them at dawn or at dusk in non-direct light. And direct light is where you would see, you know, the, the beam of light on the food. So it would be like a bright yellow or something like that on that spot. But you can just pull it into the shadow a little bit and take the up close picture with your phone, get as close as you can, you know, get overhead shots. And then you can edit those in a program like PicMonkey pretty easily. Um, but I usually try to take like 10 to 20 po like 20, 10 to 20 pictures per food, which is a lot of pictures, but it just gives me a lot of options when I'm done. So these are just little small things that you can do that doesn't require you to go and buy like a light box or have a DSLR necessarily. Um, that can improve the coloring of the photos because it, when you're outside, you're going to get the best natural light on the food, which is going to give it like a really good color. But if you're inside, your um, lighting in your house can have like a strong yellow feel to it or a strong blue hue to it, which can really make editing hard on you. It's not impossible. It just means that you're going to have to play around with the brightness or the settings or anything like that. And the more natural light I have found just takes less editing. Um, some people get really caught up, you know, if, if you don't do a lot of recipes or whatever, or maybe you don't do a lot of DIY posts, so you're not taking a lot of photos and you're not doing step-by-step -step tutorials. There's people who worry a lot about stock photography and they struggle with you know, finding stock photography. They say they spend hours and hours and hours in some of these stock photo websites paying for pictures and putting them on your website. And I think it's great to have visual elements to your blog. If you listen to the summer episode podcast where I talked about seizing the summer and kind of squeezing the most you can out of it, I talked about taking a lot of your own stock photography while you're out and about. But you may not be able to do that. And if that's the case, if it were me, I wouldn't worry so much about filling your website with stock photography. I always say nobody's ever sent me a nasty letter saying they didn't like my stock photos. Um, I think one way that you should consider doing posts if you don't want to spend hours and hours looking for stock photography is just make them easy to read. Make them skimmable. So make sure you're using good headers. Make sure you're breaking those paragraphs down smaller bite-sized pieces. Use bullet points. Use tools within your post to make it easy to read for online content consumers. This isn't like writing essays. This is just, it's a different kind of writing. So if you can get your content to be organized really well and make it very skimmable, the pictures, yeah, they're going to help, you know, guide people's, guide people's eyes down the page, but you can probably go without them. I don't think there's any hard and fast rule that you have to have tons of stock photos shoved in every single article. If you don't have the time or energy, consider just making the content, making it really good and hitting publish without worrying so much about all these stock photos filling up your website. Um, you know, make your cover images, make shareable images. I feel like that's very important. So my minimum viable product when it comes to blog photos is every article will have a featured image for my blog and every article will have a social cover image and it's, and there will always be a Pinterest cover image. So those are just things to take into consideration. I do this for marketing purposes. If somebody comes to my site and they like what I write, I want them to be able to share that content. But it doesn't mean that I have to share, I have to fill that post with all this stock photography, you know, just because I'm trying to follow some sort of, you know, blogging theory or whatever. 
you got to do what's right for you. So if you are a person who does spend hours and hours and you're tired of spending money on tons of stock photography, consider just seeing what happens if you don't use it. <laughs> like consider just writing content, writing it well, making it easy to follow and having less stock photography or no stock photography if you don't want to keep trying to find it um, like, you know, free, commercial free, license free, blah, 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 royal stock photography that's not royalty free stock photography, whatever. Um, if you don't want to figure that out, don't worry about it. Just make good content. So one thing that I'm really in love with, though, is Canva, because Canva was the first place that I discovered that I could buy stock photography or, you know, find pictures that really lessen the amount of time it took me to do certain posts, especially posts where I didn't have, you know, pictures of my own, like it wasn't a tutorial or it wasn't a recipe. Um, when it was sort of like a heart to heart kind of thing, and I needed some sort of good, strong image to represent that. Uh, Canva is only a dollar per, per photo that I use for my cover images. I don't use Canva for stock photography. Um, pretty sure that's against their terms, but you can check on that. Uh, I use Canva to make cover images and things like that. And for the cover images to only be a dollar a piece, that's a good deal. It saves me a lot of time from having to search around the whole interwebs and hope that I have the rights to whatever I'm using, I'm allowed to do it and all that kind of stuff. It sort of takes that fear out of it for me. So that's why I tend to use Canva um, for any posts that I can't use my own photos in. Um, one thing that I think a lot of people need to kind of accept is that sometimes you have to do things ugly and be okay with it because it's all about practice. If you take a picture and it's not good, try to edit it the best you can and in a photo editing software, publish it and move on. Just do your best because down the road, like for me, five years down the road, I'm just now kind of going back to old content and deciding to like revamp old pictures or update the pictures or update the recipe photos now that I know what I'm doing. But I needed to hit publish on those articles back then because I needed to just keep going. Remember that you can always go back and fix it. Just keep that in the back of your mind. So one way that I use PicMonkey, if you're a big PicMonkey fan, is that I use that mainly to put watermarks on my pictures. It's pretty fast. I use PicMonkey for resizing and things like that. So PicMonkey is really my go-to place for my own personal photos. So if I'm, you know, if I've taken a picture and I want to add a watermark or I want to resize it or I want to edit it, you know, punch up the color or whatever I want to do, PicMonkey is where I do that. It's just where I've always done it. You can do it in Canva too. I just find PicMonkey to be more uh, user-friendly and because I'm well-practiced at it, it's faster for me to use than anything else. One way that you can really help yourself save time when it comes to blog photography and blog cover images is to have a checklist for yourself of what you do every time. Um, once you've kind of developed what you know you need to do to be able to, you know, publish a publish a blog post, I really encourage you guys to make a checklist of the, each step of the process that you take to create this stuff because that will help speed it up. If you could just reference that list, like if you have it you know, attached to your computer screen or kind of over on the side and, you, you know, or on a bulletin board and you can just grab it and walk through step by step all those things that you need to do. It'll keep you from getting frustrated and overwhelmed every time you go to publish something. I love checklists. I love processes when it comes to this sort of stuff. 
And then one way that you might be able to help yourself um, not get overwhelmed with blog photos and things like that is to have a designated day every week where you just do photo editing or you just do cover image creation. Because if you've written the content, let's say you've got four blog post drafts that are just waiting on images, you could spend one day and make all the images for those posts, upload them, and then you're ready to publish. So it just kind of helps you batch that out, like where you sit down and say, well, every free minute that I have today, I'm going to edit photos, and then I'm going to upload them to the posts that I have that are in the queue and ready to go. Those are my best blog photo tips. Um, I don't want to take up too much time. You know, I could talk about this probably all day, but those are the things that I think make a big difference um, in your ability to save time, save money, and improve the quality of what you're doing without feeling like you need to have all this special photography equipment and lighting, all that kind of stuff, which can be very tempting. Um, and if you do have it, if you do have all that stuff, keep practicing with it, keep trying to get better with it. Um, if you've invested in it, you should be using it and trying to just really get good at using it so that you can have those photos that you're longing for or looking for. Um, give yourself grace as you approach blog photography and blog photos and blog cover images. Just keep practicing, just keep doing it, and just keep blogging. <laughs>